Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The Lord is good, and it's good to be in his presence. I'm standing here this morning just like you're here on the prayers of the saints. Amen. Amen. We want to greet all of you. We want to greet those who are especially online this morning who are listening to the service. Thank you for joining us here at Bethel Christian Center. We send out a good God bless you. So thank you for joining us online. Before I get started, I want to do a quick survey. I want to find out what you hate. I want to find out some things that you hate. And I'm going to start off with a few vegetables. You know, most people like vegetables. Some people don't. Now, I'm going to ask you to indulge, just indulge me for a moment. So if I say, if I ask you about a vegetable, raise your hand if you don't like it, okay? How many of you hate boar okra? <laughs> okay. How many of you hate Brussels sprouts? <laughs> How many of you hate lima beans? Oh, mm-hmm. How many of you hate turnips? Mm-hmm. Okay. I looked up a few things online just to talk about in general of what people, they just hate. And one, some of the things that I found out was when people are driving, they hate it when people tailgate them. How you feel? You hate that? Another thing people hate is when people smell, when they have body odor. How many of you hate that? Ooh. And how many of you just get just aggravated when you have slow internet con- uh, connection and it's 40, it takes 40 seconds for the internet to load up? <laughs> and how many of you, you know, you, you know people that do this and it just, ugh, it just, <laughs> They have food in their mouth and they're talking. <laughs> and then this is one that, you know, you're in the bathroom and you look around and you realize you don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> oh God. Those are things we can all say we hate. And then there's nobody there you can call to get bring some. there could be an extended list of things that we hate you know now that we talk about some of the things that we hate I want to ask you a question is there someone you hate I want to talk with you today using the book of Matthew in the New Testament Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 46. I'm going to read this from, you using the the New King James, it's okay, I'm using the NIV. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? That's the passage we're going to talk about today. In reading this passage, I believe that Jesus wants us to understand what it means for us to have a relationship with him. I believe that this passage speaks to the core of what is required when he tells us to take up the cross and follow after him. So if you'll just allow me a few minutes this morning, I want to talk on the subject, love your enemies. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to take our time this morning just to bless you and thank you and to honor you. Thank you for allowing us to be able to congregate here with your saints. And Lord, we pray for a move of you today. You will speak to the hearts. You've spoken to me. I ask God that you give me, that you would allow this message to penetrate the hearts of your people. Change somebody's today, Lord. Speak to somebody today. Move on somebody today, Lord Jesus. We give your name, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. And I can use a few of those today. <laughs> when I ask, is there something you hate that we hate? Those things that we listed were really annoyances and, and irritations. But if, when, when I ask, is there someone you hate? That's a question we all have to look inward and answer. Is there someone you have hateful feelings toward? And see, hateful feelings can latch on to us in a number of ways. The hardest people in the world for us to love is not those faraway enemies. They're the people who are close to us. The neighbor who has loud parties and keeps us up all times of night keep us from sleeping because they're dancing and having a good time. The co-worker that's lazy and makes our work harder. Or perhaps it's, uh, it's a decision that somebody's made just from looking at the person. Maybe that person has decided that I don't like them because they're too short, they're too tall, they're too fat or they're too skinny. Their skin color is different and maybe they don't speak the same language. Maybe they're jealous of you or maybe they don't like you because you have a disability. These descriptions can determine whether or not a person will make you their enemy. Allow me to share an example. In the school system, I shared an office space with several teachers in various departments. A new teacher was being hired because in one department they had more students than they had enough teachers to teach them. So the new teacher is hired, I walk in the office, I see the new teacher, I smile and give her and say good morning. 
She looks at me, but she doesn't say anything. My thoughts are, oh, she probably didn't hear me. So I repeated the greeting. She turns, looks at me, and turns her back away from me. So in my thoughts, I'm wondering, what's wrong with her? We see each other again in the hallway. We're the only two people in the hallway. I look at her, smile. She turns her head away from me and moves to the other side of the hall. Now, many of you are probably thinking what I'm thinking. What is the problem? Have I offended her? This got to the point that we had to take it to the principal. So we're sitting in the principal's office, and I'm trying to find out why she's angry with me. I describe the behavior to the principal. She tells the principal that everything I said was true. So he says, well, can you explain your behavior? She never answered. She got up and left. So for the next few months, that was her behavior toward me. I didn't know her. I had never met her. She didn't know me, but she made some decisions about me. You see, there are people in our lives who will hate us and will mistreat us for no apparent reason. And there are people who deliberately cause pain, and those are the ones that are hard to love. Some people are just rude and inconsiderate, selfish, overbearing, unkind. They lie, they cheat. What I did, I just described to you behaviors of unloving people. You know, it's very easy to read that passage of scripture in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. It says, love your enemies. But the application is the difficult part. Because we feel there should be some exceptions. We feel there should be some people that we shouldn't even be concerned about loving. Because we look at them as, see them as snakes in the grass. For example, like the un, uh, those wealthy, corrupt businessmen who did unethical things and crushed the economy and caused many people to lose their jobs. And some of us have made people their enemies because they disagree with them politically. You don't agree with people's politics and they become your enemy. And what we fail to realize is that it's all about power and control. And because of that, we've allowed the spirit of hate to enter into the church. You see, Jesus understood the hypocrisy in the church. He understood the hypocrisy in the political realm. There is a story in the book of John, chapter 8. It talks about a woman being drugged out of the house because she was caught in the act of adultery. She's sleeping with a married man. Isn't it interesting? She was drugged out of the house. Where was the man? See, there's a double standard here. 
Maybe the man was a friend of one of the religious leaders because it was the religious leaders that drug her out. So why wasn't he in the streets with her? You see, the law says um, for both of them, they will be stoned. The town people wants to kill her. She has become the town's enemy because she slept with a married man. They have a pile of rocks over there that they're going to throw on her. But on the scene, there is somebody on the scene that intervenes. But Jesus. But Jesus. Jesus steps in between her and her enemies. And, if he, and this is what he says. He says, if any of you have, is without sin, I want you to cast the first stone. All her enemies left. You see, grace can cover a multitude of sins. People will treat you in unloving ways because they feel it's their right. And many times, they don't see the person. They see their own desires. And much of the time, we prefer, we prefer to be right than to be kind. We'll face every day with situations where we may be right. We may be right in that situation, but can we be kind? My sister... And her husband, they live beside a couple. They live next door beside this couple. And the man would come out and rake his leaves, and he'd rake all the leaves on their property. So my sister said her husband would go out and talk with them. And then they would take him some lunch, take him some food over. He said, she said he never stopped raking the leaves on their yard. He never stopped, but she, they said they continued to be kind to them. They would continue to take them food, speak to them, and love them. Unloving people need love more than anyone. You see, it's easy for us to love God because God is so good to us. He's so kind to us. He blesses us. He provides for us day in and day out. If it wasn't for the Lord, we don't know what we would do. We can love God. We can love our friends and our family members. They're easy to love because we know that we love them and they love us. Sure, we have conflicts. We get in fights. And sometimes you even want to kill your family members. But deep down, you know that you love them and they love you. And the real challenge is not to the real challenge is not loving those that love us. The real challenge is to love those who hate us. And Jesus commanded us to love our enemies. We're called by God to love everyone. And in the scripture, I didn't give you this one, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. If we don't learn to love our enemies, 
we don't love God because God has commanded us to love our enemies. We learn from the gospel that Jesus had enemies just like we have enemies. But there is a difference about Jesus and how he treats his enemies. It said Jesus loved his enemies. He prayed for them. Even as they were using the nails and hammering his nails and hammering his hands and feet on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we think about that, that seems so hard and un for us to be able to obtain that type of level of love. And you're right. You're absolutely right. We can't do it. That's why you and I must stay close to the cross. It's at the cross of Jesus where we see the power of God's love that enabled Jesus to love his enemies. Let me say that again. It's at the cross of Jesus where we will find the power of God's love that will enable us to love his, our enemies. We're going to have enemies. If you are a Christian, you're going to have enemies because of your belief in Jesus. And he told his disciples, this is what he told his disciples. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, blessed are you when you are insulted, persecuted, and falsely all kinds of evil said against you or done against you because of him. But he tells us, he says, look, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. He says, in the way they persecuted you, they persecuted the saints before you. I want to tell you this morning, and I'm not just talking to you because I've had to preach this message to myself all week. So you're going to get some of it now. As Christians, we are called to a different lifestyle. A different lifestyle from this world. And this lifestyle of Christian living can only be done through the power of God. We need an infusion of the Holy Spirit in our lives in order for us to love our enemies. We cannot do this on our own power. This love that I'm talking about, this is a called an agape love. Yeah. A love where you give and you expect nothing in return. And you can read one self-help book. You can read a thousand self-help books. But it won't give you the power to love your enemies. Because our flesh is weak. And this is not a flesh walk. You know that. This is not a flesh walk. This is a spiritual walk. This is a day by day by day walk. And it requires us to take up our cross and follow after him every day. What Jesus is requiring is a radical lifestyle. So different than what the world would expect. We always talk about we want revival. We want revival. Let me tell you how we're going to get revival. We're going to get revival when we start changing the behaviors that we've been living by. That's how we're going to get revival. It's got to start in us. Jesus is requiring us to be radical, so different from what the world expects. Jesus is calling us to a high level of living. 
You know, we have in this world, there is a philosophies, and you can find them on bumper stickers. And some of them reads, do unto others before they do it unto you. Some of them read, don't get mad, get even. There's a lot of hate in this world. There's a lot of hate that's being projected on social media. It's wrong. I read somewhere last week there was a businessman who purchased a social media platform. And he's telling people on his platform, it's okay if you want to flip the bird because it's freedom of speech. I want to tell you this morning, he's wrong. That is a mean spirit that's being projected in this world and is done out of greed and is dangerous. The world tells us to retaliate. You see, it's not easy to love. It's easy to hate. It's easy to hate. And Jesus knew that. And he gathered all his disciples around on the mountainside. And he gives a long sermon. It covers a range of topics from adultery to murder. But then he tells his disciples, he says to them, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would he give them such specific instructions? Because in the Old Testament, there was something known as the law of retaliation. That's in Leviticus chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 19 to 21. It's basically talking about an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. Verse 19, it says, anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution, but whoever kills a human being is put to death. Now, these are verses that many people want to live by. I'm going to get them because they did this to me. Why do you think we have so many killings, so many young people killing, young being disrespected? I got to retaliate. These are, scripture, these are verses that a lot of people want to live by, and they want to use the Bible to justify their behavior that they choose to exhibit. But Jesus takes this passage, this passage of revenge, and he turns it into forgiveness. We all know love is not easy. It's not easy. I want to tell you, first of all, what a few things that love is not. Love is not some fuzzy, warm feeling that you have about a person because feelings change. Love doesn't mean that you don't stand up for yourself. Love doesn't mean that you allow people to walk all over you. Love doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries and say, be able to say no. Love doesn't mean that you allow some tyrant or bully in your home and cause you to have pain. And love does not mean that people don't pay for their crimes. Because the Bible says, what a man sows, he shall also reap. The one who sows to please his sinful nature 
From the, nature, from the sinful na nature, he will reap destructions. The one who sows to the spirit, from the spirit, he'll reap eternal life. So we ask, how do, you, how do we love our enemies? How do we do that? The Bible says in that particular passage that it rains on the just and the unjust. Your enemies will have difficult times just as you will. But when they go through those times, it's not the place for us to rejoice when they suffer. Don't start doing a dance, oh yeah, I knew it was coming. That's not our place. You don't call your enemy up and say, hey, payback is something, isn't it? Uh-uh, uh-uh. The Bible tells us to pray for them. And if we're gonna pray for them, we don't say, God, get them. Do it, God. Uh-uh. We say, Lord, bless them. Lord, pour your Holy Spirit on them. God, pour, be good to them. Help them, Holy Lord. Help them, help them, Holy Spirit. The scripture says that if your enemy is hungry, you feed them. The scripture says if your enemy is thirsty, you give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. That means you're overcoming evil with good. I'm reminded of the passage in the book of Esther when you get an opportunity to read it. Hyman hated the Jews and he wanted to destroy them. But he in particular hated Mordecai and he wanted to kill him. And he planned his demise. He built gallows for him to be hung. But the sad part about it the trap he planned for Mordecai, he ended up in it himself. And what I'm saying to you, you may have enemies that you want to get even with, but that trap that you plan for them, you may end up in it. Our enemies don't deserve our love. We love them. We love them not because of who they are. We love them because of the Jesus in us. They don't earn, they haven't earned the treatment that we should, that we offer them. We don't, they don't deserve it. But guess what? We don't deserve the grace that Jesus Christ has brought to us. Our love must be a gracious love. And that even though it's not deserved, that we love our enemies like God loves us. And we do this, when we do this, we show them what Jesus looks like. Jesus didn't tell us this. He showed it to us. He showed us a behavior of love. And the last thing he did on the cross was to pray for the people that put him there. There is power in that kind of love. That is a love that changed my life. And that's a love that changed your life. That's the type of love that people need to see on their jobs. That's the type of love that we need to show people in the grocery store. That's the type of love we need to have in our home that we're kind, that we care about people, yeah. that sometimes we may get stepped on, but we can rise above that and do what God would have us to do, that we can be imitators of Jesus.
The Bible says that while we were, he were, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He offered a love we might even change the love that we show other people, it might change their lives. But I'm going to tell you something, it may not. But just because they're our enemies, it doesn't mean that they don't need to see Jesus in us or Jesus in their life because of us. I'm getting ready to conclude this message. But I want to tell you a story before I, before I conclude. I want to tell you about a story about my cousin, a story about my cousin, his name is Rod. Rod said, he said, cuz, when I was growing up, my dad left home and he never came back. And so my mom and I, his mom was a school teacher. His mom decided, okay, to make ends meet, she decided to rent out parts of her house so that they could make ends meet. He said, we did this for years until finally, we could finally see light at the end of the tunnel. He said, now years have passed, I'm a grown man, I'm married, I have one child, and my great aunt is living with me. He says, one day I open the door and my dad is standing there. He said, I hadn't seen him in years since I was a boy. He says, he, my, he says my dad tells me, he says, I'm sick. His wife put him out and he has no place to go. He said, I started thinking. He says, well, I'm a Christian. Maybe God is trying to deal with me about all of this. So he says, I invite him in. I invite him into my home. And I let him stay there for months. Nursed him back to health. He said, then one, my, one day, my dad got up and he leaves. And he doesn't come back for years. He said, I don't see him for years. He says, by now... I have three children. He says, one day, he shows up at my door again. Sick, nowhere to go. He says, guess what I did? He says, I took him in again. He said, he lived with me for months. I nursed him back to health. He said, he got better, and he left again. He said he never called me, never said thank you, never said I appreciate you. He said he never treated me right. He used me. He never gave me anything. He said he wasn't even a good grandfather to his grandchildren. He lived a very selfish life. But he said, you know what, when he died, I had no regrets because I could say, I was a better son to him than he was a father to me. You see, we're going to all have our ride stories. And when we leave here today, we're gonna, we need to leave with the thought, here's the question we're going to leave with. How am I going to respond to my enemies? As followers of Jesus, we've been given three responses toward our enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. And pray for those that mistreat you. I'm going to ask the praise team to come. You're going to be confronted, if you haven't already, with people in your life, and sometimes you don't even know how to deal with them. They could be close to you, 
and you don't even know how to handle it. I'm not going to prolong this message today. Like I told you, I've been dealing with this all week. Because I got to go and practice just what I'm telling you. And some of you are going to be going out to lunch today. You're going to be going to some location. And if the server is rude and unkind to you, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to respond? See, you come into church, but I want you to know, church is not something we do. Church is the life we live. Amen? Amen. The holidays is coming up. Thanksgiving is coming within a few weeks. And you're going to be celebrating. Some of you will. And you're going to be bringing family and friends to your house. They're going to come. And usually we have a meal to celebrate this occasion. There are going to be people visiting and eating at your table that you wish that wasn't even there. You really wanted them to be at somebody else's house. But they ended up at yours. I want to encourage you not to poison the meal. Don't bring poison to the table. The poison of hate. The Bible says that the Lord prepares a table before us in the midst of our enemies. That table is a table of love. You know, I'm no different than you are. I can preach this message, but I got to live it too. And I need a special anointing. I need a special portion of God's grace and mercy for me to deal with my enemies just as you have to deal with yours. It's not easy to like people that tell lies about you. It's not easy to be kind to people that mistreat you and you don't know why. It's not easy to be kind to people when you're kind to them and you treat them with goodness and kindness that they bite your hand. It's not easy. You know, and some of us have developed enemies because of what someone said or didn't say. And some of us have developed enemies because there was a misunderstanding. Something was said or something was done and it was misunderstood. And it was never clarified. So now you're enemies. I want to tell you today, that can change. That can change. Today is the day of exodus. We can come out of all of this. We can come out of it. We can step out of hate. We can step out of anger. We can step out of unforgiveness. It's up to us. We can do an exchange this morning. We can exchange the hate for love. Amen? Amen. Amen.